Gauguin, Paul Gauguin, is a key figure in the development of French art. He, he looms large in histories of European modernism and colonialism. And he lived for 10 years in French Polynesia, so was very much part of the colonial infrastructure there, but also setting himself apart from it in, in various ways. And in fact, working on Gauguin presents a kind of moral quandary, how to keep speaking about this artist who's been rightly very much maligned by post-colonial and feminist critics for his role as a French colonial settler and exploiter of Polynesian women and girls, but whose art continues to fascinate and who is the subject of ongoing and evolving, increasingly nuanced responses from scholars, including increasingly uh, women scholars and scholars of Pacific studies and contemporary artists. So my view on this is that it's actually really important to keep looking closely at Gauguin if we want to understand and deconstruct his mythologized position as the so-called founding father of, of French modernism and primitivism. Otherwise, we risk really perpetuating an image of the white male as all-powerful if we shut down the conversation. And we need to realize, I think, that Polynesians, and Polynesian women in particular, were not simply passive victims of Gauguin, but were active cultural agents who shaped his art and writing. So if we continue to look at Gauguin, it's important that we do so in new ways, with different voices, and drawing attention to the complexities and ambivalences of his position. And my study is arguing that writing is central to that. So Gauguin, of course, is best known as a visual artist, primarily as a painter. But recent exhibitions have drawn attention to how inventive he was across multiple media as a printmaker, ceramicist, sculptor, woodcarver. And he was also a prolific writer, but there's been no full-length study of his writings. The writing was generally conceived for a public. He published art criticism in French periodicals. He produced a series of manuscripts that combine memoir, art criticism, manifesto or essays, and he also printed and distributed his own satirical newspaper in Tahiti called Le Sourire, or The Smile. There was only one manuscript that was published in his lifetime, by far the best known, called Noah Noah, a kind of fictionalized travel memoir. But this was not for want of trying. He did want to get these manuscripts out. They're most, though not all, by now published. Um, but I've tried really in my study to get away from the approach of taking extracts of them out of context and using them to somehow explain his art or provide biographical background. So I see these writings as very consciously crafted and constructed as being part of a multimedia artistic practice, as also being informed by other literary genres, and as a key to his complex colonial and artistic identity. So as an artist who wrote, Gauguin was bridging activities that were held to be quite separate in the 19th century, with writing deemed to be the superior intellectual form and visual art, often seen as intuitive and manual rather than intellectual, and as a result, often othered as um, feminine or primitive. 
And what I'm arguing is that the line that Gauguin walked between artist and writer was similar to the shifting social position that he occupied in Tahiti. So as a white male colonial Frenchman, he occupied a privileged position, but he didn't belong to the elite of colonial bureaucracy. And he set himself aside from the rhetoric of imperialism. He constantly walked a line really between resistance to colonialism and exploitation of its, of its privileges. And so in the book, I find an analogy for this borderline identity between privileged and outsider status in Gauguin's conflicted identity as an artist writer. So Gauguin's writing was part of an attempt to reinvent himself in Polynesia, to position himself outside of European bourgeois society and claim an identification with a culture that he celebrated, but also stereotyped as primitive. And I just want very briefly here, I think it's important to state that we understand primitive in scare quotes. It's a mythical ideological term bound up with the conditions of colonialism and capitalist modernity. Um, for Gauguin and many others, prim so-called primitive societies were those outside modern Europe, believed to be closer to nature and free from moral or economic oppression. Doesn't denote any real feature of Tahiti. It's a fantasy for Gauguin. Gauguin's writings are often dismissed as naive, unstructured, unskilled, but this was highly deliberate. Uh, at one point he explicitly stated, I'm going to try to talk about painting not as a man of letters, but as a painter. And this attempt to write like a painter, which for him was to write like a primitive, permeates the structure and the style of the manuscripts. So in studying Gauguin's writings as an art historian, one of the things I'm alert to is their physical and material qualities, which are lost in, in the printed editions. Uh, so if we take an example like Noah Noah, this travel memoir I mentioned, the original version, which is held in the Louvre Museum, is like an artist's book. It's a spectacular manuscript, which has the appearance of a kind of scrapbook or collage. And this is true of most of Gauguin's similar manuscripts, like the Cahier pour Aline, for example, Notebook for Aline. There are artfully arranged sequences of images in mixed media, photographs, woodcuts, watercolors, newspaper. And this is very similar to how Gauguin operates in his art generally. A distinctive feature is that he borrows or appropriates motifs and images from a whole range of cultural traditions and recycles them and adapts them across different work. So we see him doing this in his scrapbook style manuscripts, uh, reflecting the mode of operation of his visual art, and the result being something like a collage, disrupting meaning, being fragmentary. And then this is what he also does in his writing, where he writes in a fragmentary structure. He borrows and repeats passages of writing from his own other manuscripts, from the writings of others. At one point, he describes a manuscript called Diverse Shows or Miscellaneous Things as scattered notes. He says, without sequence, like dreams, like life, all made up of fragments. And he also describes his writings at one point as being like a kaleidoscope. So writing in this way is intended to counter the rational or linear mode that Gauguin would associate with 
the critic or the professional writer. Um, the critic was a figure that he very much maligned and uh, saw as being emblematic of um, the corruption associated with civilization. But this deliberately naive mode of writing that he adopts also very much placed him within uh, a European literary romantic tradition of the fragment. So it is a deliberate and um, complex approach. Another striking feature of his writing that I want to highlight is the way in which he used different voices to stage different identities. So notable instances of this include uh, early on, he writes uh, an imaginary treatise on painting and he passes it off as the words of someone called Mani Vebi Zumbulzadi, supposedly an ancient oriental painter, but really Gauguin himself. Or in another instance, in the opening issue of his newspaper, Le Sourire, which he produced in Tahiti, he assumed the identity of a female theatre critic, calling her Paratania, which is a Tahitian word for virgin. And he's ostensibly reviewing a play by a female Tahitian author, making a statement that might be surprising given what we know about Gauguin, saying, I must confess that I'm a woman and that I'm always prepared to applaud when I see another woman who is bolder than I, fighting for equivalent moral freedoms to men. He signed many of the pieces in Le Surier using the pseudonym Tit Oil, which is a sort of mangling of various Tahitian words that is as crude as it sounds. Basically what I'm arguing is these various feminine or in some cases oriental avatars are uh, another way for Gauguin of, of staging an identity, of seeking to identify with the primitive, but also at the same time, um, these adopted alter egos register the uncertainty of identity, the sense in which it's unstable and, fl un and fluctuating as he was experiencing it. Well, my main argument is really this one that Gauguin's position as an artist who criticizes writers, but writes himself, parallels his status as a reluctant colonist who rejects imperialism, but still enjoys many of its privileges. And the one main point that I want to emphasize through the study of the writing is that Gauguin was a complex figure and that understanding that gives us a more accurate sense of the complexities of Tahitian colonial culture. So this is about the structural power relations of, of colonialism. It's not about one individual. And I'll just give a couple of brief examples of the contradictions and complexities of Gauguin's position as it's evident in the writing. So in one instance, he published a speech in a Tahitian newspaper in which he attacked Chinese immigrants in vilely racist terms. On the other hand, in his late memoir uh, called Avant et Après, or Before and After, written in the last year of his life in 1903, he published letters that he had written denouncing the corruption of colonial officials and defending Marquesans demanding better legal representation and fairer taxation for them. And this ultimately landed him with a jail sentence. So Gauguin was a contradictory figure. We know, for instance, that he exploited Polynesian women and girls, but we also see from his writings, uh, it, this is a quotation from the text, L'Esprit Moderne, or The Modern Spirit and Catholicism. He writes, woman, who is after all our mother, our daughter, our sister, has the right to earn her bread, 
has the right to dispose of her own body, has the right to spit in the face of he who oppresses her. This viewpoint that Gauguin expresses here in part derives from the writings of Flora Tristan, the feminist socialist writer and activist who was Gauguin's grandmother. And it's only by studying Gauguin's writing that we're able to excavate these kinds of sources to give due weight to the influence of other and often underrepresented voices in their influence on Gauguin's art, life and writing. <laughs> 